Hello, and welcome to the Brutally Honest Books podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gerrand, and I'll be giving you my honest thoughts on the books I read. While the reviews will be short and to the point, they'll include everything you want to know without any spoilers to help you figure out what you should read next. So with that said, let's jump right in. Hi, everyone. So today I'm going to be talking about a book that I have mentioned before that I'm going to cover, and it is one that I'm sure you'll have seen from the title is A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara, and it is one that is immensely popular with both readers and critics. Even though it was published way back in 2015, it has remained in the public eye very steadily. I still see people all the time, every day, picking it up for the first time, whether it's on TikTok, Instagram, people I know. It's still just one that is constantly, continually being read and consumed and causing major emotional damage to everybody who decides to read it. And I don't think that that is anything new. If you have heard about A Little Life, you know how absolutely traumatic, heavy, insanely depressing it is. Um, Again, that is not something that is any sort of spoiler or is probably a shock to anybody who's listening. If you have not heard of A Little Life, I am jealous of you because you can immediately turn off this review now, never seek out the book, and live your life as it was intended, just having a happy life that is completely untainted by the emotional damage that is going to ensue from picking this book up. And before I go into any specifics, that is not a critique because ironically enough, this is a five out of five star read. This is absolutely a modern classic. It is one that, again, is popular with critics and readers. It's one that I really can't say it any better other than it is a modern classic. It's this really dramatic saga that is full of so much emotion but it is incredibly heavy. It will destroy you mentally, emotionally. If you don't feel up to it, would not recommend reading it. But if you are like me and you're just dying to know what it's about, then feel free to keep listening to this review. And I guess you'll be able to decide whether this is a read for you or not. And before I get into this review any further, I do feel the need to kind of I don't know, redeem Hanya Yanagihara's reputation a little bit, because again, this is a very incredible book and she is an incredibly talented writer. And that is also apparent in the fact that this book was a finalist for the Man Booker Prize, huge, huge deal, as well as the National Book Award. And as I said, ever since it was published in 2015, it sort of remained in the cultural zeitgeist ever since. But the thing is, everybody always says the same two things. One, it was a phenomenal book. Two, it's one of the saddest books that you'll ever read, period. And now that I have finally read it myself, because this has been on my to-read list for years, I can confidently concur. It was so sad because I'm also somebody that it takes a lot to make me cry. So I was like, you know, how sad can it be? I understand it can be probably 
pretty sad, but is it really going to make me cry? There's only been a very small handful of books that have been able to make me actually cry. So I was pretty overly confident going into it. And we'll get into how wrong I was proven. But part of my personal hesitation is because this book is around 700 pages long. So it's a big one. And it is a bit of a time commitment. And something else I will say is that I am really impressed with the book community in terms of keeping pretty much any spoilers under wraps. Like I was kind of expecting to, I don't know, maybe encounter certain things which I hadn't and even the things that I had encountered, which were just a few quotes and things like that, really didn't give anything away. So I was incredibly shocked because I thought I knew what the story was about. And this is just piecing together what's written on the back of the book with the little tidbits that I had uncovered via the internet. And so I sort of had some preconceived notions and I was very taken aback by reading the book and realizing how wrong that I was. And I will say, I do think that that is kind of essential for a book that is so long because I think that if you do know a lot about it, it's not going to hook you as much. And I think 700 pages is going to be a little bit more of a feat to tackle and to stick through. So it does help knowing pretty much nothing about it going into it. And that way you're able to be continually surprised and continually engaged in the story. So I am going to do my best to steer clear of any specifics. I will give you enough information to decide whether this is a book for you and give you a really good idea of what to expect from this book, but without giving away any specific plot points or anything that would keep you engaged in the book. And hopefully you'll find some value in this book review because while it was a good thing to not know any of the plot elements of the story going into it, it was also very shocking for me going into it just because of the tone of the book and how traumatic and how heavy it is. And it really kind of rocked my world a little bit and not necessarily in a good way. So hopefully I can help manage your expectations in a little bit and in a way that I had wished my expectations had been managed. So to kind of quickly tell you what it's about, this book is about four classmates and they're all friends from college and they went to a small college in Massachusetts and then they all moved to New York together where they try and just make their way and come into adulthood essentially. And as recent college grads are, they are all broke but their friendship and their ambition really keep them going and keep them together. But to kind of quickly break down who each of the friends are, there is Willem, who is the handsome aspiring actor, JB, the quick-witted painter, Malcolm, the frustrated architect, and lastly, there's the brilliant yet withdrawn Jude, who is really the center of their friend group. And although the novel does shift between different characters' perspectives from time to time, they are all central characters and Jude would be considered the protagonist of this story. So over the preceding decades, their relationships with one another deepen and darken at times as they're affected by things like addiction, success, and pride. 
but their biggest struggle ends up being Jude himself. By the time he's middle-aged, he's an incredibly talented litigator, yet his mind and his body are still scarred from unspeakable childhood trauma that continues to haunt him and define his life. So you can tell from this description that it's a pretty heavy book, but to be brutally honest, the content is even heavier than you might think. And again, I want to steer clear of specifics to not give anything away because I think that is an element of the book is a little bit of shock value. And I do think it's an intentional element by Yanagi Hara. So I'll try and steer clear of that for the book's sake. But there are definitely some content warnings to be made aware of for this book. And that will kind of tell you all that you need to know in terms of what to expect from this book. And those would be warnings for sexual assault, rape, abuse, both verbal and physical, self-harm, ableism and physical disabilities, drug use, and grief. And that's a long list. So now you can kind of see why I thought this book was going to be different than it was is because I wasn't really made aware of all of those things. And that's okay for me as a reader, but it might not be okay for a lot of other people. So that's why I'm mentioning it now. But I do want to discuss it a little bit more because I did know some of those. So I knew about the drug addiction and maybe a little bit of the grief or things like that. So what I was expecting, which is why I put it off, is a book that was basically like Requiem for a Dream. And let me tell you, that movie did a number on me. I watched it when I was maybe a little bit too young, but I really just didn't know what to expect going into it. The person showing me did not prepare me at all. And I just had to watch like hours of like kitten and puppy videos on YouTube after because I was just so racked emotionally. And so that was really what I thought this book was going to be like going into it based on what I did know about the drug use and addiction and based on people's reactions to the book and things like that. And knowing it's about all of these broke friends in New York City and that's just kind of where my mind went. So I do want to assage anybody's thoughts who might be having a similar association. It is not like Requiem for a Dream. Thank God. <laughs> However, this book will rip out your heart, chew it up, and spit it back out to you, but in a very different way. And part of that is because there is a very redeeming quality to the story that makes it not at all like something like Requiem for a Dream. And it is probably the only redeeming quality or feel-good aspect of the book, but it has to do with the, I don't know, maybe it has to do with the friendship element a little bit, but I think it's predominantly the fact that when they move to New York and they do all start out as broke and trying to find their way, they don't slip into poverty or dejection or anything like that. They really all succeed both in their careers and in their personal lives. And they all end up making a lot of money, things like that. And thank God, because like I said, I think this type of story on top of something like that, if they had slipped further into 
you know, something like poverty on top of it, on top of everything else that's in this book, I just would not be able to handle it. I don't think anybody would. Um, that would just be far too much, but it is something that I really appreciated, really enjoyed, and did just make it a different story than if that had been the case. And just to be clear, there are a couple other little positives and feel-good moments, and there's a certain romantic element or storyline in it as well. So it does have other smaller redeeming qualities amidst (laughs) all of this emotional turmoil, if you will. I just want to properly manage your expectations. It's not as if it's, you know, complete sadness right from page one all the way to page 700. But I do think that that's why the sadness hits harder, right? Is because you do have these highs and you do have this hope and you do have these positives. And that's what kind of makes the lower points hit a little bit harder or hurt a little bit more, if you will. And it's also just a really interesting read because Hanya Yanagihara is a female Asian author and she is writing from like about and from the perspective of a couple black characters and a white character and Jude who is racially ambiguous and that's done purposefully. But Yanagihara does a phenomenal job Plus, some of the characters have different sexual orientations as well, and that's something else that Yanagihara also does an excellent job with. So, as I said, this book really is, to me, a modern classic. It is a traditional saga, yet the story itself is not at all traditional. It is very original. It's incredibly moving. Like I said, you kind of go on this roller coaster from these ups to downs, plus This book also jumps timelines, which is very tricky to do. So you learn more about Jude's history as well as some of the other characters' personal histories. And it's also jumping between the different characters and their different perspectives. So not only is that story itself very tricky, it's also tricky to write so many different characters with such lengthy histories in such separate and believable ways. And it is 100% believable. It's one of those books where there were times when I forgot I was reading a book. So I fully understand why this was a finalist for, you know, the Man Booker Prize and the National Book Award. It's a very impressive book. And it's also one that is never dated by anything in the book. There's nothing, you know, technologically or anything to the writing that dates the book, in my opinion, which really adds to the modern classic vibes, if you will. So I really want to sing Yanagihara in this book all the praises because I do have one critique. So I just want to make it clear what an excellent job she did, what an excellent book this is, despite how heavy it is. So keep in mind that this critique is my personal critique. I have not looked into it in terms of if there are people who agree with me, disagree with me. So if you've read this book and you have thoughts, feel free to absolutely chime in. Whether you agree with me, tell me I'm wrong, would genuinely love to discuss it. And that is this book to me started to head into, and I won't say that it was, it just started to head into the trauma porn category, if you will. There is so much self-harm and abuse content of all sorts. And 
I want to be clear that my critique is not to diminish the extent of what real people go through who have direct experience with these things. But for me, the way that it came across as a reader is that these elements of the story did border on being too much and too much in terms of both the very graphic descriptions and the frequency of these descriptions and these elements cropping up throughout the story. Because again, the book is 700 pages long and I kind of have the impression that that wasn't taken into account in terms of if this is an element of the story and you're going to have such graphic descriptions and it is something that is going to have to crop up throughout that the burden of reading it that many times and that vividly is, it's a lot. And again, that's not to diminish what real people go through because the response to that could be, well, imagine having to live through that, right? And I understand that. I'm just approaching this from a literary perspective and a writing perspective. I think that as a reader, it just does reach a point where again, after 700 pages, it is a lot. And I am one of the people that kind of subscribes to the thinking that sometimes certain elements in a story hit harder when they are implied. For me, if something is more in the subtext or I'm not saying that all of it needs to be subtext or anything like that, or you have to completely beat around the bush. But when that is done at certain points, for me, it actually hits harder. It has more of a stomach drop effect. It has more of an, oh my God, rather than reading everything 100% literally. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's a little bit worse when it's kind of left up to reader's imagination a little bit. And like I said, I would not do that throughout the entire book. There are times when you want it to hit in a certain way and there's a certain reaction that you are trying to elicit from the readers and just in terms of tonally or writing style or whatever, where you want to just sort of write it a certain way. But I just think that that is my personal opinion. After 700 pages, it just felt like it started to go into trauma porn category a little bit. Again, if you agree with me, disagree with me, I am more than happy to talk about this further, but that's just one small opinion that I had and I guess something to potentially take into consideration if you are also thinking about reading this book. But for those of you who have stuck through this review so far and are probably looking for more reasons why you should read this book, I will say that it is, again, an incredibly moving story. And I don't mean that in a negative way or it'll make you cry way. But again, there is a romantic plot line that is so moving, but in the way that it makes your heart swell up. And I think that's just why the parts that are sad are so sad is because you have these highs, you know, sort of like the peak and valley metaphor. Plus, this book is incredibly well written. So if you are somebody who is a really big bookworm and you read a lot of prize-winning authors and prize-winning books, then this would definitely be something to add to your overall to-read list at some point. And that's also why I'm mentioning this book in December, because not only do the holidays kind of slow down a little bit in terms of having more time off work, and it's the time of vacation days, things like that. So not only will you have the time to read or at least start a 700-page book, 
but hopefully you'll be surrounded by family and friends to kind of counteract the sadness of this book a little bit. (laughs) And even though it is incredibly realistic and sometimes a very unfortunate way, it is also kind of this unique love letter in a way to adult friendships and their value and their significance and their impact and what beautiful relationships they are if you are lucky enough to have them. And it's these relationships that she sort of uses as these little individual strings to kind of tug at your heart in a way. And I kind of think, this might be a weird comparison, but I kind of think that a book that I would compare to this one to kind of judge the emotional element and going through it a little bit would be The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. And that might be because I've reached the end of A Little Life. So keep that in mind. So I'm thinking of A Little Life in its entirety. And I think one of the biggest content warnings for the book is actually just grief, even though it's full of all of those other elements I mentioned. I think the biggest one is grief. And so by the time you reach the end of A Little Life, I think you'll know what I mean in terms of comparing it to Didion's book, The Year of Magical Thinking. And if you haven't read the book or you don't know about it, I did do a review on it. You can go back and listen to it, but it's essentially Joan Didion writing about the era in her life when her husband unexpectedly passed away and then her daughter was hospitalized and eventually did pass away. She doesn't pass away when the book was written, but it's just going through this era of immense, immense grief and what that felt like basically. And so in my mind, I think it's a good comparison. Again, just remember there are much heavier content topics in this book, so it's not as topical, if you will, or it's just a little bit more graphic and all that other stuff I mentioned. But I think overall, after finishing both of those books, I personally draw a little bit of a comparison between the two because I kind of feel like everything that Didion talks about in that book, you'll end up feeling by reading this book, right? Like you kind of feel all of those same emotions, but for these fictional characters. However, if you are somebody that is not in a place to read this one, steer clear of it. Like I said, it is not going anywhere. It is continually in the cultural zeitgeist and it is one that you can get around to in months from now, even years from now. Like I said, I just read it and it came out in 2015. So don't feel any pressure, but if you're up to it, whenever you are up to it, like I said, it is a five-star read. I think just know what you are getting into and It might be a book that is best tackled in small pieces. I know that that can help a little bit as well. I, for one, really admire this book, really admire the author. It is absolutely a five out of five star read. Even if it is not for everyone, it is definitely still a five star read. Personally, I have not decided yet if I want to read her new book. It's called To Paradise and... I believe it just came out this year or it is coming out. I have to double check, but I'm kind of on the fence because she's such a talented writer, but I don't know. This book was a lot. So obviously if I do end up reading it, if I do end up reviewing it, I will be doing an episode on it. So I guess stay tuned for that. But with that said, stay tuned for a little podcast announcement. I'm going to do a separate little announcement 
episode, I guess, that you can click on where I'm going to explain how I'm going to do the new year and how I'm going to break up the book reviews and what my plans are. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the book club if you're interested in joining and how that's going to be in 2023. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And with that said, I will be talking to you guys in the new year with new book reviews. So be sure to stay tuned and be sure to follow along in the meantime on Instagram and TikTok at Brutally Honest Books. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That is truly the biggest way to support this show. Be sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening from. And I'll talk to you in the next episode in the new year. Thank you so much for listening to the Brutally Honest Books podcast. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. If you like this show, you can rate and review on iTunes, and be sure to follow along on Instagram at Brutally Honest Books.